Hi there, I'm Ian Willoughby, and you're very welcome to episode 39 of the Prague Talk podcast from Radio Prague International. This time out, I guess, there's the great Czech-born children's author and illustrator, Petr Sis. His new book, Nikki and Vera, is out this week, and it's a major cause for celebration in my view. Subtitled A Quiet Hero of the Holocaust and the Children He Rescued, the beautiful and moving book comprises two intertwining narratives. The story of Sir Nicholas Winton, the young Briton who saved 669 mainly Jewish children from the Nazis on the eve of World War II, and that of Vera Gissing, one of the children who Winton managed to get on a kinder transport train he'd organised from Prague to London. Born Viera Diamantova in a small town in central Bohemia, she's been living in the UK permanently since the late 1940s and is today aged 92. Petrusis, who has been resident in America since the 1980s, says he was partly inspired to write Nikki and Vera on a visit to Prague with his teenage son. When they encountered an exhibition dedicated to Winton's selfless mission, the multi-award-winning writer and artist said he realised he hadn't devoted enough attention in his work to the reluctant, quiet heroes of this world. I spoke to Petrusis from his home in New York State, for this edition of Prague Talk. The story of Nicholas Winton and his immense act of humanity came to public attention for the first time in the UK in the late 1980s. When did you initially encounter that story? It's more like a question with me, when did I pay attention to this story? I think I... Briefly must have heard in the late 80s about the story, but that was uh, just three, four years into my immigration to America. So I had other problems just like with finding out who I am. But I know it crossed my mind that since I was a little boy, I knew two people who were friends of my father. One was a translator from 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 English in, in Prague. She said, I, I grew up in London or I grew up in England. I, I went on the train. And it sort of was interesting, but like with lots of things and events during the Second World War, you didn't question because people usually didn't volunteer the information. And as you know, but this is very hard to explain here in, in America, people who went to England who were children born in England or even the uh, the, the pilots who were, it, it just wasn't uh, something you would want to talk about under the communist regime. So I was always surprised and I heard somebody grew up in London, was born in London, I knew a number of people like that, but I never was able to put it together because we never asked more questions than that. Then also I went to London. I went to London a number of times, which is interesting vis-a-vis the train to England. And it was for me like the obsession with the uh, music and with the getting outside of the East Block. And I remember I was staying for a few days with the lady on, on Marble Arch. Maybe it was like Oxford Street old lady. And I think this was one of the foster parents from of the children from Vinton Train. But again, I didn't know the details, so I knew that Sonia, who was the name of the translator, knew her. This lady was a very sort of wonderful character, uh, lived in the little apartment on the very top of the old London building and talk about like children and had ideas about, but I didn't understand the co- connection at all. And what is funny that I have a little 
address book from 1967 when I went to England, when my mother wrote me some names of, of the people she knew. And, and there was the name of Milena Baines, who was a, the wife of the architect in Preston. She was a friend of, of friends, uh, and I never made it to Preston, so I didn't speak to her then. She knew my parents, and her husband was an architect. And I didn't speak to her until now when I said, I have your name since 1967, but now I know you are Lady Milena Grenfell Bates, one of the children of Nicholas Vinton. But back in 67, I had no idea how she got there. And so for me, it's fascinating how all these things came together and how I thought this happened far away in history. And all of a sudden, I'm able to to speak to her, to her sister, Eva Paddock, who was the principal in Boston, to men in, in Hartford whose name is Ivan Becker, who was one of the children. Um, all of a sudden, I can speak to people who are part of the history, who in fact are not that much older than I am. Because when I was born four years after the war, I thought, oh, it's such a long time after the war. But in fact, it was just after the war. So there were lots of things around me my childhood in Prague, if it was like a German helmets or sort of little swords of the SS, there were like lots of remains and, and bullet holes and, and bunkers and people talking about things. And we didn't know, we, we as children, uh, people who went to concentration camp wouldn't say I was in concentration camp. They were trying to fit in. And the communists were talking about the whole issue as mostly communists being concentration camps, the whole question about people Jewish and all that, that was pushed in, in the in the background. So I'm just trying to, I knew about little things, but it only came together after 1988. And then somebody, then somebody said, you should think about the book already, like early 90s. And I think I, there was a subject which would be very difficult to push through the American publishers then. But the Czechoslovakia as such was getting more and more uh, recognition because before that it would be like, why don't you do a book about Paris or Venice? Prague was not this destination. And I, I thought, oh, it's too good a story because the story was about a man who was so good that he saved all these children. And then he went home and then nobody knew for 50 years uh, until they found out. I wanted to ask you one thing that interests me a lot is why you chose the device of two stories the story of Nicholas Winton himself and the story of this girl, Viera or Varushka. Why the two stories? That made it possible, two stories, because I had his story, which I thought, I can't do it. I've seen the film of uh, Matej Minaj, which was also based on like, but I think he, in film, you have another dimension when you can work with just him being good. And then, but you needed some sort of drama. And I found by complete coincidence two books. One was a book in Washington and Holocaust Museum of Ivan Backer, Train to Freedom. And, and one was Vera's guessing book, um, Pearls of Childhood. And it was a wonderful book in the sense that in her book, she's so optimistic and she's such a little innocent girl. And also she's from the small town. She describes her town in the way how the sentiment of the Czech sentiment of this newborn country in 1918, everybody so excited that people are love Masaryk, love this whole idea of Czechoslovakia. She describes how they singing national and then religion as such or politics are not important in her perspective. It's one of very few or only family, Jewish family in there, but it's not important. She wears national costume. She, she goes to these meetings. 
so that describes this almost idealistic time in in Czechoslovak history because she's in the small small village and she runs around and plays and she's she loves nature and and describes how she goes if she in the evening to to swim or with the horse of the, the, her father has a horse so she goes to Labe and, and and sort of describes these wonderful um, feelings when she's the sun is setting and she's sitting on the red horse. But anyway, she's like an ideal um, innocent child who's growing up in this small town with loving mother, wonderful family. And and she doesn't really know or the parents keep her sort of protected from some bad news behind the border from Germany. And then it all comes quickly home to roost that she hears about this. The mother, she's cautious. That sort of also for me was like, how did people sign up children for the train? And the mother is more like she doesn't have to do it, but she feels this sort of urge. It's like safety. Well, this might not end up well. I will, I will go and sign her up with with uh, Nicholas Vinton because she's in Prague just in that time. And then she has to somehow sell it to her father who doesn't like the idea. Then also what's in her book that England in that time is so far away. It's a country which is far away for Czechs. And whoever heard about parents who would sell, send their children so far away, even the children are sent for a few months, maybe for a few months. So there were like lots of things which I couldn't uh, somehow in, in Winton, it was all very sort of like European history, Kristallnacht, Anschluss, England being exceptional country, which gives visas to children who are under 17 and, and they have to put down the money for the return ticket. They get some temporary visa, must have a foster family. So this I knew from Vinton's side. And now I had this little girl who was describing emotional things from her perspective. However, she gets she herself in her book doesn't get into complexity of when she comes back to Prague after the war, when she has the best intentions to stay, even family perished in the camps, but then because of what happened, and I think what was also all of a sudden attitude of Czechs against Jews, or some of the Czechs, I should say, all of a sudden it wasn't this idealistic place she knew as a little child, but now she was also a grown-up woman, and she hears what people are saying about, oh, they came back and all this, and she doesn't like it, and she prefers somehow the, I guess, the attitudes or, or feelings in England she feels more home in England, so she goes back to England. Many, probably almost all children's books can be read and understood by a child alone, it seems to me. But I presume with this book, that younger kids at least, they might need to have a parent with them to explain some of the things, like when you say that that uh, uh, Vera's parents died in the Nazi camps. I know, that's, the, that's now the dilemma for me, because... Uh, this book is just, it's not out yet here, but it's being sent to reviewers and, and, and critics. And all of a sudden, I get lots of reaction that people cry. Say, I was crying. I didn't want to cry. Then, then I never thought about it. My books were always ambitious, sort of going beyond. And I admit it. I mean, I have books for little kids, which are very simple. Then I was trying trying somehow to fulfill my artistic ego, probably also trying to find my place in America. So I had books which were more ambitious if it was Galileo, it was Tibet, or it was some books which were, as one publishes, as looking over the shoulder of a child. But I also found out that people, for example, with Tibet book, that 
people have the book and then some child reads the book without any preparation, not knowing where Tibet is or what's going on, and gets one level of the story of the missing father or whatever. And then maybe they get a little older and read it again. And then they read it with somebody who explains where is Lhasa and what is happening. So I would hope this could happen with this book. There was a big argument at one point that somebody said, you can't publish this book. You don't show enough of the, and I shouldn't say this, probably I can tell it to you in Prague, that I'm not showing enough of the suffering during the war and enough of the what happened to, but she was speaking from position because she thought everybody in the book was Jewish. I would like to point out, which I didn't tell to anybody, that according to the these lists of intent, the majority of children were Jewish, but they were also children who were children of uh, political leaders who were afraid of Germans, whatever. This was a humanitarian sort of universal thing. But this person who is so used to kind of literature, which is being published about, about Shoah, about Holocaust, that you should have told more about what was happening in these concentration camps. My perspective and it, this is not entirely my doing. I wanted to put in more details of, of the suffering, but the editor of the book and my wife, Amita, were good guides that I didn't. And in the way, it's coming from the perspective of Vera, who doesn't know. And she says she goes to children. Um, they have a Czech school in, in Wales where she's with the other kids. And then in 1943 only, so she's in England from 1939, and this is 1943. She's growing up. She's adolescent. She's in this school for of kids, and they listen to BBC every evening. She has absolutely no news from home. Which again today, how do you explain to kids? There's no 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 news, and they hear for the first time in 1943 there might be some camps where the Germans are exterminating people, and she still is not able in her head to imagine this would be because she still hopes her parents may be are hiding or, and and so. So that's the first encounter of, of something like that. Then, of course, comes the end of the war. And in fact, her mother does get out of Bergen-Belsen, but she dies of typhoid a few days later. So I, I think maybe all of a sudden that I created something went through not talking directly about there is this feeling of some horror in the background because as a child, you don't know why she comes home probably and there's nobody there. And, and the, the mention of the cat, because she used to love cats so much, and this is maybe the grandchild that's also quoted. I mean, I found out that after her book, there's a big interview from University of Delaware, which is done for the uh, Holocaust survivors who would explain the time. And she's getting these very sort of questions like, are you the Holocaust survivor? What's your name? Were you born in the hospital? It's also, almost sort of clinical. And she answers with such a sincerity about the cats and how she was trying to hide the kids because they were always pregnant and the father was like upset and wanted to drown the kittens. Then there's some things which I didn't, couldn't include. Or the father he wants to paint, he, he writes to her in England because she gets letters for next, uh, whatever it is, two months, parents and presents and send presents to the English family to say, thank you for taking care of our child. And then everything stops, of course. The letters come through some intermediary in in, in in Holland. And the father says, I wanted to paint the whole house, but I decided I found in the uh, water, uh, in the bathroom, I found out a message you wrote on the wall or something. And I decided not to paint that uh, room because uh, it's your handwriting on the wall. 
And then when she comes back after the war, she finds her own handwriting, but the parents are gone. So they got these little heartbreaking stories part of it. I've got to say, I found the book myself really moving. Also, it's a beautiful book, I think. It's a great achievement. I'm wondering what for you as the author, what would you hope the reader would take away from the book? Well, in the way, it's it's um, when I came to New York, when I was just fresh off the boat as an immigrant, I remember visiting somebody who had two cobblestones from Prague on the table in New York. And I said, wow, that looks, she said, these are cobblestones from Prague. But I was a little boy. I was jumping on these cobblestones or we were through kicking them, whatever. And you just uh, taking this as a, this is where you belong. You don't think about where it came from or where it's going. This was quite stunning when somebody said, Probably my family was dragged to concentration. I said, no, no, these might be cobblestones. You know, I was maybe going for on a date on this or whatever. I mean, it just depends what story you project on this. But all of a sudden with doing now three projects to do with Prague, really, because Tibet starts in Prague also and evolved with the communists and, and the three golden keys. It's interesting how I'm analyzing Prague in the way how so many different things could happen. And sometimes I feel, again, if I would be living in Prague, maybe I wouldn't notice, but I went to, where is it, the park, where people were uh, had to come when they were coming to for the transport in Prague. And it's a it's a place where it's like small, small place. The place doesn't exist. It's a hotel just in Prague 7, before you get to Park Kultury, uh, the, the Stromovka. So that was a place where people had to register. They would say, come Friday, 10 o'clock. So all of a sudden you look or you come to a place where Heydrich was assassinated. Or you, now I come to Hotel Europa in Wenceslav Skorigo. This is where Winton set up his office. And I know I don't know all the details. I know there were many more people who were helping him. I'm sort of here trying to. One thing is to show really that was the main discussion with my son. If you can make a difference, if you can do something in some moment when things are, can you do it? Do you have enough of your, because I feel guilty as a child and, and the communist, they would say, let's say no to Uncle Sam or let's, you know, and I was like, as, as a child, you're part of the crowd. You say, yeah, let's condemn this. And all of a sudden you have a man who has nothing to do with Prague, who's passing through Prague. And he says, wait a minute, these children are in danger, I will help them. And everybody says, oh, no, they are not in danger. It's okay. And he does it. So that was the main lesson, I think. The other lesson was like the connections between which all of a sudden I can draw. Even I mentioned it in just a little bit with the rallies of the Nazis or Kristallnacht or how there are all these signs which we now know from history. And it's the same like what's happening here now, that you have all these signs and you go like, oh, these are just crazy people. Look, they dress up like comic book characters. And, and what is it? So they got inside some some uh, government building. But then in, in 10 years, this might be like step number three of whatever. So that was maybe I didn't want to overdo it. So I think everybody who wants to know what was Munich agreement can look it up, the details. That was another thing that I thought with attitude towards England and France in Czech, uh, Czechoslovakia after Munich, that you have these children going to to England, which saves them. That that it was hard to tell the neighbors that they are going to England after what England did. Another thing was with the trains that the trains yet were not used to ship people to the east, so these are sort of friendly trains. How did they he manage to get these trains through the Nazi? Uh, Germany and Holland. So they are like little things. It's like, I think for me that there are little snippets which are 
I think, in the way educational or educational, historical. And if you put it together, it can have a meaning for you. If not, then I just, I tried. Nikki and Vera, a quiet hero of the Holocaust and the children he rescued, is out this week. And many, many thanks to Petrusis for finding the time to discuss it with me. If you're new to this podcast and have enjoyed this edition of Prague Talk, there are more than three dozen more episodes where this one came from. Do check them out and please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. From me, Ian Willoughby, thank you very much indeed for joining us on Prague Talk and talk to you again very soon.